This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, Season 5, Episode 17. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network, brought to you by Excess Sites. Today is Wednesday, March 23rd, 2022, as of the recording of this episode. And I am your host, Riley Bowman. I'm joined today by our producer, Matthew Marister. What's up, man? Hey, dude. Glad you're feeling better. Glad to have you back amongst yes. the living. So for those, since you're throwing it out there already, Matthew, geez, <laughs> you know, got to get, got to get right into the personal business. Uh, we missed the, the show last week. We didn't record any episodes last week because I came down sick. And uh, just did not feel well enough to get in front of all of you on on the interwebs and record a podcast or talk for any length of time. Uh, and unfortunately, that stuck with me a little bit longer than I would have liked. I'm even now not 100%, but uh, feeling a lot better than I was a few days ago. That's for sure. So glad to be back. Glad to do the podcast today with you all. Uh, today is a legislative news updates episode, so we are covering stories from around the nation, uh, bringing to you the latest updates on legislative matters, uh, laws that are being talked about being passed, laws that are being passed, laws that have been passed in ver- in various states, <clears throat> or things on a national level too, although I don't know that we have so much any national news today, which is fortunate. We don't have anything going on presently in the u.s house or senate uh that's uh you know concerning at this current time or there are some things going on with the atf is is typical that makes us concerned obviously but uh but that's uh there's nothing new to talk about there today we're here to talk about some important news we got a story out of washington state which is a unfortunate update we cut we talked about it being a possibility that they would pass not one, but three laws last month, and they did in fact pass those laws. We'll talk about what those are here in, the, in a moment. Uh, some some stuff out of Colorado, but we have a bunch of good news actually coming out of a bunch of states, including Alabama, Ohio, Indiana, West Virginia, Georgia, and Nebraska. Pretty cool. A whole mm-hmm. string of them, uh, a lot of them passing or talking about passing the same type of law, which is pretty cool to see. But first, today's episode is sponsored by CCW Safe. CCW Safe is our preferred partner for concealed carry self-defense related coverage, legal coverage. What this means is if you're a member of CCW Safe and you're involved in some kind of self-defense event, and actually a gun doesn't have to be the tool that is used, although it is often the, the one that, that might be used. CCW Safe is a team backed with experience. Everyone on their uh, emergency response team, the guys that actually are going to be there for you, that will answer the phones, that are going to talk to you and talk you through the aftermath of an event, they've been through similar 
events themselves. Many times uh, it's in the in the context of them working as law enforcement officers. Many of them are past or, or retired law enforcement officers. Um, they also have some amazing folks on their legal team with uh, a breadth of experience. So uh, I, I appreciate all that CCW Safe has to offer, but I most importantly appreciate their personal level of service that they bring to their clients that I think is unmatched in this industry, frankly. All right. We've talked about that before. I think that's something that's important to not overlook, uh, whether it is with their ultimate plan, which I'm a member of, or one of their more affordable, but still hugely covering in terms of coverage, uh, uh, other plans like the defender or protector plans. So they even have plans that are designated specifically for law enforcement or military uh, uh, veterans, that is. Okay, so if you're a veteran, you you actually want to give a look at the protector plan. All right, so really, it's a heck of a value. But even if you're not one of those categories, the defender plan has a lot to offer as well and is a, is a great value in terms of what you get back in legal protection and coverage. Check out CCW Safe today and use our coupon code CCPODCAST to save, I think it's 10%. Maybe it's 15%. I always get confused, Matthew, because we have two <laughs> discounts. Yeah, We have one for regular folks that listen to the podcast and we have one for Guardian Nation members. That one I know is 20%, which, yeah. is, which is huge. Uh, so check it out. Go to ccwsafe.com if you're a Guardian Nation member, don't forget to use your Guardian Nation member discount, which you'll find in the members dashboard area when you log in to Guardian Nation. And again, if you're just a podcast listener, hey, you're still going to save at least 10%, maybe more, by using CC Podcast. Also, CC, CCW Safe is our, our uh, presenting sponsor or title sponsor of the Guardian Conference later this year in Oklahoma City. And so today we're also talking about the Guardian Conference as a sponsor of this podcast, of this episode. Uh, we hope that you'll be there. We hope to see you there. I know that times are tough. I know inflation is on the rise. Uh, gas is is get is just crazy. You know, I, I drive a full-size rig with a 38-gallon tank, I think. Uh, I had to fill it up the other day. That hurt, <laughs> you know? Uh, so I, I feel your pain. But I hope that many of you will still choose to prioritize your training uh, because it's it's important with respect to understanding self-defense law, with understanding decision-making and stressful events, with understanding physical combatives, hand-to-hand combatives, with understanding just how to use a gun, obviously, in the first place, how to draw properly, how to do it safely, how to put rounds on target under pressure. All those things are going to be possible to learn in a weekend of training with us at the 2022 Guardian Conference because we're bringing in more than a dozen world-class instructors. You can see an updated list on the website now at guardianconference.com. I'm not going to list them all off, but there are a couple new ones added this week too. Uh, including female instructor, Melody Lauer, uh, which I, I know that you're going to hear more from and or about her here very soon, is my hope. Um, but also, guys, go check out 
we've got on there again Chuck Haggard who was a, a wildly popular instructor from last year with a bunch of great classes I just talked with Chuck the other day about his uh, upcoming uh, uh, blocks that he's going to offer at the conference and uh, a lot of the same with with respect to what he teaches but it's good it's important stuff OC spray uh, managing unknown contacts Stuff like, you know, situational awareness and keeping your distance and how to manage those kinds of situations when you're out and about and you run into people you don't know and you don't know what their intents are. Um, learning how to use OC spray properly and being prepared for the aftermath of that. Also hugely valuable. Okay. Low light classes with Chuck. Okay. And that's just one of our uh, many amazing instructors. So uh, check them out. Go to guardianconference.com. Sign up today. Early bird pricing is still in effect, but that will not always be there. So don't delay. And again, I hope that you'll make the effort and uh, the priority to be to be able to come and join with us, whether it's by well, maybe you live in the area or maybe you're just able to drive in or fly in. Travel is usually pretty reasonable in and out of Oklahoma City area. Also, what I remember from last year, their fuel prices there tend to be trend a little bit lower than the national average, too. So that's that's a that's a help, too. So. Anyway, guys, we hope to see you there again, guardingconference.com. Let's get into our news. We've got uh, a bunch of things to cover. Matthew, I've been talking a while. Tell us about this uh, about this case out of Connecticut, uh, now going to the Second Circuit Court of Appeals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is, uh, like you said, it's going to the, uh, it's, it's in, a, in its appeal to the Second um, Circuit Court. And what it entails is a concealed carrier who is in his vehicle. He pulls off or stops on his own to check his GPS on his phone or whatever. Uh, police officer comes up, uh, I guess, looks maybe looks suspicious. Maybe he's on the side of the road. He wants to see if he's okay, whatever. Uh, it doesn't really go in depth in, in, in any of that. But the officer makes contact with the, uh, with the driver. Uh, driver gives uh, the officer a ID card and his uh, concealed handgun license officer asks him if he has a handgun in the car. Uh, he says, yeah, I have a handgun. It's in the uh, driver door pocket there. And from what the report says is that uh, he was taken out of the vehicle forcefully, um, cuffed, put in the, in, in the uh, police car. Um, the officer didn't attempt to see if the, the license was valid. Um, and ends up uh, searching the vehicle, the entire vehicle, um, seizes some property of his, uh, some money, a hard drive, and, and other things. Just goes way overboard um, on you know search and seizure, uh, Fourth Amendment issues, and so um, he, the driver, ends up filing a, a, a lawsuit, wins, and now we're in a court of a, uh, it's being appealed by the officer, obviously, um, and that's where we are. It's a, it, it, it's pretty crazy. Um, you know, in this, and I'm just going to, you know, I'll send it back to you, but I just want to give my two cents on this. This is why the duty to notify laws are, it's not just about, well, it's a, it's a courtesy to let the officer know. Yeah, sure. But, um, there are officers that, that go overboard that, that don't, don't, um, uh, they hear gun, they see gun, and they don't know how to handle that situation. And unfortunately, um, it 
could it leads to situations like this and and so um i'm not a big fan of duty to notify laws i don't think that that makes officers any safer um but i i an officer who's relying on the on the the suspect or the person they don't know to 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 be safe you know uh for their safety is is not doing a good job right like um and so um if you want to give the officer in so states that you know don't have a duty to notify uh, a courtesy. Hey, I have a firearm. Great. Um, if it's appropriate, great. But um, being compelled to say I have a firearm and then not knowing how the officer is going to react or their ability to take you out of the car and do all these things. Um, to me, it's, it's um, absent some articulable facts that the officer needs to take that person out of the, out of the car or, you know, is in, you know, uh, fear of, of, uh, uh, officer safety issue. Um, it, it's not a, it's a non-issue. They're doing something that's completely illegal. So, um, that's kind of my, my two cents on that, but, uh, I, I don't know. We'll see where this goes. I I can't imagine that it would be, um, that the officer would win an appeal, but who knows? Mm. Yeah. Uh, I, I hate this case. I hate it. I mean, you just covered it very well. You talked about the overreach that very clearly occurred here. Um, you know, reading some other, we don't have all these uh, different news stories, uh, um, you know, linked to this, to this, uh, to the show notes of today's episode. But uh, I was, you know, looking into this a little bit further and <sighs> according to the accounts, like, you know, this guy's just stopped and he's trying to figure out his GPS and the officer approaches, and the driver, his name is Sukana or Sukane. Common spelling. I don't know how to, it's kind of an interesting last name. The officer's last name is even more difficult to pronounce. <laughs> but uh, I'm not even going to try that one. Uh, he, he approaches, and the guy rolls down his window and he says, Hi. And the officer, like, apparently, first words out of his mouth is, Your driver's license. Like, that's it. Yeah, like, it is, it is on. It is down to business. Like, I don't care who you are, what you, what you're doing. You know, it's just, I'm going to ask you for your driver's license. We're going to treat this like a traffic stop. And Mm -hmm. as far as we know, the only thing that this officer might could have cited him for, and he did in fact cite him for this, was parking in a driveway, which I assume means he parked in front of someone's driveway. I guess. I don't know. Um, And yeah. Like, but I, I decided to research also, Matthew, that Connecticut, as far as I know, according to Concealed Carry Gun Tools app, is not a duty to notify state, um, that, but that you must notify if asked mm-hmm. or when asked by an officer. In this case, this gentleman seems like he just volunteered his permit. So he's like, here's, your, here's my driver's license. Here's my, here's my permit. Now, I've done that. But I also say that I try to read and judge situations, the officer, like, and, and determine how I think that's going to go. Because, you know, I, I would say based on how this interaction started, I would not be volunteering that information because this guy is looking for something. It also appears that where this man parked is in a high crime area that's also known for prostitution and drugs. So, the fact that he's parked on the side of the street and it's late and this is a dark and high crime area where these types of prostitution and drug transactions occur, 
okay, so it may have been out of place, and this officer may have been thinking this was, you know, a potential uh, uh, a criminal of some kind here, but still, like, my goodness. So, yeah, it's unfortunate to see that these things occur. Um, and let's be real. I, I personally believe this, and I, I know that there's guys out there that would probably disagree, but if they do, I'm sorry. I, I think you're wrong. Um, but having actually done some work somewhat in that line of work, and Matthew has as well, I personally believe that most cops are good human beings or decent people that have a job to do and do the best that they can with the training that they're that they're given. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe that there are a number of cops out there that are not so good. Um, and bring, uh, what's the word, dishonor, if you will, to to the profession. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it, just like any profession, like, I mean, it, it, you could be talking about attorneys here, right? Most attorneys, I think, are probably pretty decent attorneys and pretty decent folks, but there's a lot of scumbag attorneys out there too, you know, um, that, that give a, or bring a bad name to everybody else. I think that's the way it is just about anything that we do. Same with doctors, nurses, right? Most of them are amazing people, but there's a few of them that absolutely suck. <laughs> so let's be real. And it seems to me that this is a cop that was on a power trip and uh, overstepped some serious bounds here, mm-hmm. right? And the, the issue is this guy pre- presented his permit for his, you know, carrying his pistol and that was justification alone, apparently, for this cop to arrest him. Is just and the officer said that uh, that uh, in in light of the uncontested fa- uncontested fact that the plaintiff, because keep in mind it's the uh, the victim here that sued uh, for wrongful arrest, presented his pistol permit to the officer before or at the time he disclosed he was in possession of a pistol, in the absence of any other indication that the victim was otherwise violating the statute. No reasonable officer could believe probable cause was present. But the officer said that he believed, you know, that the reason why he did this is because he didn't know for sure yet whether the permit was valid or not. And I'm, I'm just, Oh, such, it's kind of like what we were talking about before Matthew, a previous episode about, um, with respect to constitutional carry, which is going to be a big topic of today's, episode as well when we get to some of these other state uh, news stories uh, like people want to fight against and there's a great quote in one of these stories from one I think it's in the Georgia one or one of the state reps or somebody was saying we denied 5200 permits you know last year and by golly you know we kept five, over 5000 people from carrying guns that shouldn't have been and I'm like how do you know you stopped them from carrying a gun <laughs> <laughs> and number two like you proceed as though someone is lawful to carry that gun until you find out otherwise, mm-hmm. because that's how rights enshrined in the sec- in the Constitution and the Bill of Rights should be. <laughs> so anyway, all right, moving on. I appreciate your analysis of this, Matthew. Good stuff there, buddy. <laughs> Let's go to Colorado now. My home, my my current home state. <clears throat> You know, I've lived here over a decade, and uh, uh, it's uh, been sad to see how things have changed in that decade plus uh, with respect to gun rights here in Colorado. Up for grabs right now is something called the Extreme Gun-Free Zone Legislation. What the heck is that? 
Well, this comes down to voting. All right. And then the official name of this bill is the Vote Without Fear Act. And the idea is, is that pr- currently in certain voting stations in the state, you can carry openly. All right. That, that wouldn't be true um, in, the, in the case where like some, some voting locations might be held in schools or something, you know, um, but, uh, but for, for places where it's not already prohibited to carry a gun uh, or you're, and you're not in a jurisdiction, say like Denver where open carry is prohibited up till now, it's technically legal to openly carry while you go in and vote. But that's unacceptable because, you know, that's, that's scary. And that might, you know, cause voter intimidation or something. So we got to have vote without fear. And so hence the name of this legislation and the NRA ILA, as this is, as this article comes from uh, NRA ILA.org is spot on. They say the irony would be funny if it wasn't a serious and deeply held belief by anti-gun legislatures that this, Oh, I was, I skipped a sentence there. It is the intention of this measure to prohibit you from exercising one of your constitutional rights while engaging in another. <laughs> and that is the ironic, ironic part that, uh, that the next sentence there that I was reading. Yeah. That is sadly ironic. Yeah. Well, so, I, I anyway. and, and I get it. Like I, I know um, this, I, I know that there's issues about voter intimidation, right? Like people standing out in front of, you know, voting booths and things like that and threatening people to vote one way or the other or, or massing um, in, in trying to indim- intimidate people from either not casting a vote or, you know, um, I get that. But this isn't that. This is just it, there's no tie to any criminal uh, action. There's no tie to any sort of like intimidation or anything it's just merely doing something that is completely legal but yet if you want to cast a vote somehow that becomes illegal so i I mean i'm all for like if you say hey we want to like you know make sure that we shore up the voter intimidation laws and so people can't you know malinger outside you know voting booths with with you know openly carrying shotguns and rifles and Pro, you know, like I get it. That's that's cool. You know, I I understand that. It, there's probably already laws in place that that kind of address that. But to just say that you can't you can't carry a firearm where it's normally legal, and we're, we're just going to put a a generic bubble around this area because there's a voting booth. Um, that's that's ludicrous. I think. But now, please please understand that this is currently before, uh, well, it went before the Senate Committee on State Veterans of Military Affairs, uh, and it passed. Don't, let's see here. It passed three to two. And so it did pass. So that was a subcommittee. Uh, that's, yeah. And so now it's going before the whole committee, according to that vote. So that's where it's really important right now that if particularly if you're able to, if you're a, a citizen, of, a, a resident of Colorado, please consider contacting members of the Senate Committee on State Veterans and Military Affairs to ask them to oppose this bill. Because it's a senseless bill that simply serves to restrict Second Amendment rights further while people are exercising another constitutionally guaranteed right. 
So there you have it. House Bill 22-1086, if you want the reference there. All right. I've already notified uh, that, well, I've I've specifically notified my <clears throat> representatives and my state senator, but uh, I should say my representative. <laughs> I don't have more than one. But, uh, but I've also contacted the members of that committee as well. So I encourage you to do so. Let's go to Washington now. <clears throat> Washington State, last month we covered in, the, uh, in this same podcast, meaning the legislative updates one, how they were looking at passing three bills. One was a magazine capacity limit bill, uh, anything greater than 10 rounds. One was a ghost guns ban or a personal home manufactured firearms ban essentially and a ban of firearms from election related places, school board and municipal meetings, which is not all that similar from what we just talked about here in Colorado, although a bit further than that. Uh, And unfortunately all three of those bills were passed. Matthew, you wrote an article about this too, especially about the magazine ban. Why don't you give us the greater details on the, this unfortunate news out of Washington state. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. We've been doing legislative updates, uh, podcasts for several of the years. And it seems like uh, over the, uh, it's been, I don't know, maybe you could correct me, but two, three years that Washington state gun owners have just been getting like blasted, man, like the bad law after bad law. And, uh, these are three. So the, the, Magazine ban uh, basically uh, puts a cap on uh, any magazine with uh, 10 rounds or more. Uh, that, uh, that applies to even uh, rimfire magazines. Okay, so it's not just centerfire magazines. Um, and the, the, it, it applies to selling, importa- importing, um, or manufacturing. So if you... You know, if you have magazines right now, you're good to go. If you get them in before the the law, you know, goes into effect, you'll you'll be good to go. I don't know how they're going to differentiate those from any other magazines that happen to get in there. Not sure, but um, but yeah. So this is this is the eleven round bad, ten round, you know, or ten round bad, you know, nine rounds are okay. So I'm I'm not a big fan of it. Clearly. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's terrible. It's sad. Uh, I'll tell you some things that I think are, are, you know, very unfortunate. And you inc- included a graphic from the Washington civil rights associations, Facebook page mm-hmm. that explained a lot of the ramifications and the facts behind this magazine ban bill. And, uh, I, w- this is the first time it actually like really hit me personally. Uh, and I'll explain why, but it, it said here, that uh, under you know it, this is this includes an import ban, meaning you can't bring in any uh, so-called high capacity magazines with you into the state, either as a resident or as a visitor to the, uh, to the state. It says no person may enter the state with a magazine greater than ten rounds, including <laughs> non-Washington LE competitors, salespeople, or trainers. Washington residents may return with magazines they owned previously, but not new ones. And new residents cannot bring existing magazines into the state, which is crazy to me because like, well, hold on. We, we grandfather the fact that current residents can keep what they already owned, 
but that doesn't apply to someone that moves into your <laughs> stupid state. I hate to say it because I think it's a beautiful state. What hit me personally was that bit about competitors. I was just there in August at a USPSA Area 1 championship match. And, I mean, at that time, this wasn't an issue. Mm-hmm. I flew in, took all my standard competitor equipment, flew in with my standard capacity magazines that I normally compete with. And uh, the way that reads, like, that is no bueno. Like, yeah. period. There's no exceptions or anything like that. And uh, that's that's unfortunate. Uh, or trainers. So if I ever wanted to go teach a, a, a class there, like, uh, I mean, I, I understand this is nothing new. Like, New York State or California is not all that different in this regard. If I was going to go teach in those states, uh, I'd have to do the same thing. But, um, you know, this is all done under the guise of making their state safer and so-called, quote, saving lives, end quote. And uh, unfortunately, I don't believe it's going to have the effect that they think it will. Um, And so, yeah, there you have it. Uh, My heart goes out to my friends and family in Washington State. And I'm sorry that uh, you got to deal with this crap. Uh, We've had to deal with some similar things, although not quite as strict here in Colorado and other places across this country. And um, yeah, the ghost ghost guns ban too. I mean, that's statewide. Uh, That's, that's, that's terrible. I think Uh, because it has been since the beginning of time, pretty much in this country where you make a gun for your own personal use, no problem. But, uh, yeah, that's, uh, those ghost guns, they're scary. We got to get those things off the streets. Mm. Uh, you know, it's pretty interesting. Sometimes the images that come out of South America, uh, where you see people get very creative in manufacturing their own firearms to, you know, skirt the law even though even even though it's illegal to do so um people will those that really care enough too which they're out there especially on the criminal side they will make weapons of of all kinds it's just a, it's just a fact so you are impacting law abiding folks primarily and reducing their ability to exercise their rights and protect themselves. Mm-hmm. And that is unfortunate. Well, should we get to the good news part of this podcast? Yeah, let's Matthew? do it. <laughs> All right. Um, we got a bunch of states here. <laughs> this is kind of wild, actually. Uh, yeah, I wish we were reading similar news out of Washington State, but unfortunately we are not. But here we go. Alabama, 22nd state to pass constitutional carry. Okay. Yesterday, this is as of March 11th. So back on, I guess, March 10th, Governor Kay Ivey. I'm, I'm quoting, by the way, this is funny because this is, this is Matthew's article. <laughs> governor Ivey signed House Bill 272, making Alabama the first governor to sign a constitutional carry bill this year. After signing the bill, she released the following statement. I like this. This is this is good to hear from your state governor. 
Unlike states who are doing everything in their power to make it harder for law-abiding citizens. Hmm, sounds like something we just talked about. Alabama is reaffirming our commitment to defending our Second Amendment rights. I have always stood up for the rights of law-abiding gun owners, and I am proud to do that again today. Boom. Yeah. It's- <laughs> so constitutional carry, law of the land now in the state of Alabama. Now, my understanding is it won't go into effect until January 1st, 2023. Mm-hmm. So that's a little ways out. And that's probably due to, uh, I, I could be wrong, but a lot of times states have uh, various, you know, like here in Colorado, things go into effect always on July 1st of, of the mm. year the law is passed. I think there's other states that have similar type provisions, or some will say it goes into effect 90 days from the passing of this law. Uh, again, I could be wrong, but Alabama may have something where it goes into effect, you know, the start of the next year. But that's what it looks like here. Good job, Governor K. Ivey. Yeah. She's a strong woman, man. That's, I mean, that's, that's pretty, e- even today, there's not a lot of governors that, will stand up and, you know, take a stance like that. So it's good for her. Yep. Awesome stuff. Now we go to our next one here, Ohio. And so you should talk about this because this is your home state. Yeah. So we finally got constitutional carry here. Uh, Senate bill 215 passed. Um, There was some uh, question if DeWine would sign the bill, the governor DeWine would sign the bill. Um, he waited until like the very end uh, of the time he had uh, 10 days to, to sign it. He, he waited till the end and then he signed it. Uh, it'll go into, into effect 90 days uh, from the signing. He signed it on the 20, I think the 23rd is when he signed it. So um, that makes Ohio the 23rd state. Uh, it's pretty standard of the mill constitutional carry bill. Um, it, we do have a duty to notify in Ohio. Um, it it changed some of the language in there to say, um, you have to notify the, uh, the officer before or after he asks or after they ask. So similar to, uh, I think it's a Connecticut law where, uh, it's a requirement that the, you know, the officer ask. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, it, it's not a perfect bill. There were some, like anything, it gets it got watered down a little bit from what it uh, originally was. There were some uh, language in it that they wanted to have um, spelled out that you couldn't use the fact that uh, you saw somebody open carrying or the the fact that they had a firearm uh, as a probable cause to detain them and start you know going through a, a search in uh, all this stuff. So uh, it, it's already you know, covered in case law and things like that, but they wanted it in, in the, uh, the actual legislation that got stripped out. But, um, but yeah, it, it's, it's big for Ohio because, you know, just la- uh, I think it was two years ago, we got rid of the, uh, the crazy, um, uh, you know, our crazy self-defense law um, that basically said, you know, you were guilty until proven innocent. You had to prove that uh, you, you, you didn't, uh, you know, that, that you didn't not act in self-defense, right? So you had to prove that, but, uh, yeah, we got stand your ground. So Ohio's making some good second amendment movement. Really cool to see, man. Yeah. Super cool. So Alabama and Ohio, 
22nd and 23rd states, respectively. Here's another one. Indiana. Indiana Governor Holcomb signs constitutional carry bill. House Bill 1296 signed uh, just, I think, two days ago. The signing means Indiana will become the 24th state with a constitutional carry law. Uh, Bam. I mean, just just like that, another one. Uh, There's a quote here from Governor Holcomb. He says, the Second Amendment has been debated for years, yet time and again, our U.S. Supreme Court has reaffirmed this important constitutional right that I fully support. Uh, this this law is similar in, to others in that it simply removes the permit requirement to carry concealed. If a person is not prohibited to possess a firearm, otherwise they don't need a permit to carry the gun. So my understanding there is you want to get a permit, you may still do so. Mm-hmm. In fact, I'd say it's recommended even, particularly if you're going to ever travel or spend any time outside of the state so that you can get some reciprocity. Uh, one thing it'd be good for us, I think, to research a little bit deeper at some point, Matthew, uh, cause I don't know the answers to all of this. It would be how many of these state constitutional carry laws are, apply uni- universally, meaning to mm-hmm. anybody that any law abiding person within their state versus ones that may be only applicable to residents sure. of that state, uh, because I think that would be good to know. I mean, the more states, obviously, that pass these more universal constitutional carry laws, I guess reciprocity starts becoming less and less of an issue, mm-hmm. right? Uh, it gets us closer and closer to what a national level constitutional carry law would be like, which uh, I'd love to see happen. Don't know if it ever will, but I'll tell you, the more states pass this, the more inertia or, or momentum that is built, you know, to, to suggest that, Hey, this, this may be something we should have nationwide. I think that's going to be a long, hard fought battle if, if it ever happens, but I think it's one that we should absolutely be fighting for. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Like, uh, the app, the number of States that have gone to constitutional carry over the last two years, I think it, it, uh, I'm, drawn a blank. I think it might be 13 or something just in the last two States or, or two years. I mean, um, something like that. It's, it's, it's crazy, right? It's it. And so you're, you're that momentum, you know, you see other governors even saying, or, or, um, congressmen when they're, you know, arguing for the bill saying, you know, 24 other States have constitutional carry. Um, you know, it's, it's not like some rogue bill, right? It's not something that's, it's way out there. We, we see it. We, there's, you know, people are live, have been living it. They, and so, um, the more momentum in that way is really good, but, you know, and that's why some of these stories that we cover, they might not apply to your state, you know, like in Washington state, but just the same people are doing the same thing. Like, look at what Washington state, look at, look at how great they are with their magazine ban and, and this ban. And so we should do that. And so we have to meet that force. We have to meet that like level of, um, I don't want to say activism, but that level of like energy that the, the anti-gunners constantly put into the, the, you know, gun control bills. Um, and so far, I mean, it's, yeah, there, it's, it's, it, it is, there is inertia. That is a good word to use. Yeah. Now a little bit different, uh, 
bill here, but this one out of West Virginia, and according to gunowners.org, the title of this is West Virginia Sweet Victory, the Keep, Bear, and Drive with Arms Act Sign into Law. This is an interesting one. Uh, I, I Honestly, I hadn't heard about this, and uh, I haven't seen, I, I don't think, a lot of other states that have passed similar things. So, so a curious thing, in case folks, listeners of the podcast may not know, some of you I'm sure do know, but in many states, um, there's a difference between carrying a handgun, let's say, in your vehicle and a rifle. A lot of states, for whatever reason, restrict the ability to carry a loaded rifle with you. And the definition of that may vary too from jurisdiction to jurisdiction uh, as far as whether that's around in the chamber or not. By the way, I think carrying a rifle around in chamber is is not a good idea anyway. Um, or you shouldn't have a loaded magazine in the gun at all or you know something to that effect. So that, that can vary. Um, but this sometimes is an issue people will talk about, well, you know the the the, the distinct distinctness between carrying a handgun loaded, which you know you're carrying your defensive pistol. Let's say you have a permit to do so, or you're in a constitutional carry state. No big deal, right? Um, but maybe that pistol is more in the form of like an AR, right? And so some some people will actually run into the whole thing of, well, my state, I'm going to have with me in my vehicle, a short barreled AR pistol, uh, because I can have that and I can have a loaded mag in it or whatever. And that's legal to do by law. But if I went through the process of turning that into a properly, you know, tax stamped short barreled rifle with an actual stock instead of say a brace or something, then that would prohibit me from being able to have that with me loaded in the vehicle because now it's actually by law classified as a rifle. Anyway, so the interesting thing about this law that was passed on March 10th and signed by governor Jim justice. uh, What this means is that you'll be able to have a loaded long gun in your vehicle. So boom, there you go. So whether you have a, uh, a handgun with you, right? And West Virginia is one of those constitutional carry states. So basically what the law does, it says, if you're law abiding, it doesn't matter what you have with you. You could have a rifle with you. You could have a handgun with you. You could be concealing that handgun legally because constitutional carry. doesn't matter. You can have any of that in your vehicle. It could be loaded, unloaded. doesn't matter. Frankly, I think that's how it ought to be. Now, again, for best practice sake, by golly, don't be carrying around or transporting with you your your rifles or your long guns in a chambered condition. Okay. Keep in mind that a lot of those, uh, there's a lot of long guns out there. That they don't have the same level of drop safety protections that handguns do. And that's first and foremost why I'd suggest that you should not be transporting those chambered. There's probably other reasons too, but that's the big one I want to harp on right now. Okay. It's different carrying a chambered handgun in a holster on your body than it is packing around a chambered loaded rifle that's single action that all, you know, it has a safety, but sometimes they're not as drop safe as what we'd like them to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Agree, man. 
Tell us about Georgia, Matthew. Some good news out of Georgia. Now, this is not passing quite the full state or getting signed yet into law, but it's moving forward, it would appear. Yeah, so uh, Georgia House of Represent or uh, uh, Georgia House of Representatives passed um, a nine, uh, ninety-four to fifty-seven vote um, to. Um, I'm sorry, that was the sta- uh, that was the Senate, not the House. Uh, passed the House. It's a constitutional carry act, um, and so they are moving forward. Um, you know, I think um, what I from what I understand. The House is very close um, uh, to passing uh, the bill, and it, once they reconcile the two, that it will go up to the governor. And I, I think, I think you got that reversed. It is the right. House that passed it. Okay, so it's the go Senate to the Senate. Okay, so there we go. So, yeah, thank you for uh, for plugging my brain back in. So, yeah, the, the, <laughs> the, the, the title of the article right there is uh, uh, Georgia there State House passes that, bill. That gives it away. Oh, wow. I should have opened it up. <laughs> so uh, and this, by the way, this is on, this is reported on the hill.com. Yeah. So the, the, the house passed it. Senate's going to pass, uh, going to have to pass their bill. They'll reconcile the bill. Um, I believe uh, governor Kemp has already said that he intends if the bill comes that he'll sign it. Um, and so um, that would be another, that'd be a huge win too. Right. And that'd be another state um, to, to add to the list. So very cool coming out of, out of Georgia. Yes. Uh, and I have an update on this actually, that is just as of yesterday, uh, Senate judiciary hearing houses, constitutional carry bill. So, and it just says that, that, that they're going to hear it this week. So that's the next, that's really where we're at. Just, just so folks know. So the house, the, the, the Georgia house has passed this constitutional carry bill. Governor Kemp has expressed support for the bill. It's now before the Judiciary Committee of the Senate, who will hear that bill this week. You have time, folks, to contact your state senators, your and in particularly those on the Judiciary Committee of the Senate, to let them know you support House Bill 1358, which is the constitutional carry bill. All right. So provided it moves through the uh, the the Senate Judiciary Committee, it could then go before a vote in the Senate. And then finally, assuming it is passed and or there's not any reconciliation to be done with the House, then it could be signed by Governor Kemp into law. And Georgia could very well become the 25th constitutional carry state. That'd be remarkable. Half of the states of the Union with constitutional carry bills or laws on the books. Yeah. Our final news story is out of Nebraska. Uh, Nebraska concealed carry permit changes bill. That's kind of a confusing way that's worded. It's the Nebraska concealed carry permit changes bill (laughs) clears its first unicameral hurdle. So, and by that it's referring to, uh, uh, to the state Senate, actually. So the first, so here's the thing. So Nebraska, uh, specifically a Nebraska Senator by the name of where is he? Oh, I had his info just a moment ago and it's gone. I must've closed that. What's that? Are you, uh, 
Oh, the gov- you're talking about the the governor, the, the, the sponsor of this bill. I oh. forgot his name. Doesn't matter. Uh, we have a state senator that sponsored this bill. Uh, here's what they want to do: is actually make um, Nebraska into a permitless carry state, a constitutional carry state, and also remove the fee and safety training requirement from the permit process. So again, permits still would be available to to obtain. Um, it'd be optional, assuming that you had constitutional carry there. But then it would also remove the fee and safety training requirement. So you basically just walk in, I guess, and get a permit. Maybe they do a background check. I don't know, but there'd be no fee for it. Um, that's cool. Okay, mm-hmm. that's the bill. Now, a lot of changes on this have been debated. Um, and this is as of the last report we have is almost almost two weeks ago, by the way. And I checked. There's no other updates on this. But this was stuck in um, this was stuck in committee. And actually, the the uh, state Senate voted to pull it out of committee and so they could d- debate this and potentially vote on it in before the full Senate in Nebraska. Uh, and in fact, that bill was passed by the state Senate. So approved 35 to, to nine, actually, which is pretty, uh, that's pretty, <laughs> what's the word? Like that's a, that's a big win, right? Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. that's a big margin there. Um, so that bill has moved forward. Again, this would make Nebraska a constitutional carry state and remove the fee and safety training requirement. It's got to go before the House still, and there's going to be quite a process there. Uh, and I don't know what the stance of State Governor Pete Ricketts is. Um, it does say two more votes are going to be required to get this through. So we'll have to follow this one closely, hopefully have an update for you uh, next time we do a legislative updates episode. Um, but uh, apparently things got pretty heated as they debated the merits and possible amendments to and changes to this bill uh, as uh, state Senator Patty Brooks had to jump up and <laughs> scold like a mom <laughs> <laughs> to the, the rest of the Senate that, Hey, we need to, we need to get, you know, back into a, a, a decorum here. Mm-hmm. She said, uh, you know, apparently we need to have some mom splaining in here instead of the mansplaining that continues to go on. <laughs> As a mom, I would have sent everybody to their rooms until everybody could get back together and be kinder to one another. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Where are the, where are the adults in this room? I got a good chuckle out of reading that quote from her. I don't even know what st- side of the issue she's on, but I still think that's humorous. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it got quite heated. And again, uh, still got to go through some processes here and, and of course, an approval by the House to get before the, the governor. Please consider contacting your representatives, your senators, and also the governor's office. Let them know your support for this bill, bill number 773. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll add in uh, Connor on Facebook. He asked a, a, a good question. He, he said, it's hard to be an advocate for the Second Amendment nowadays with how much slack you get from you know social media and people. Uh, what's the best way a concealed carry holder can advocate for their right? And you're, I think you're hundred percent right. Um, it is, it is difficult. Um, but I find that if you get involved with a local 
uh, gun rights organization that's on the ground, that's in the chambers, that's hounding these lawmakers and uh, in contacting these, you know, you contacting um, the, the, the lawmakers and saying, look, you represent me. I, I, I'm a gun owner. This is, you know, a constitutional issue. Um, vote yes or vote no or whatever, because these guys and, and ladies, if they're not pressured, they will go with the flow. Like a Republican, just as much of a Demo- as a Democrat, if they sense the wind, you know, hey, I'm not going to take a hit for checking this box for a anti-gun legislation and maybe it will get me more moderate votes. I'll, I'll go with the flow unless they're held to the to, you know, their feet to the fire and say, I'm, you know, I know when we um, when we're getting this constitutional carry bill passed, we had um, the governor's phone like mailbox blown up and we were calling, we were emailing, messaging all our representatives. I mean, constantly. So I, I that does I mean. They they res- they respond to it, and so just st- and, and when you have conversations, just be logical and and don't get involved in in petty you know arguments with people who don't really want to talk. Um, it's pointless. Yep, I agree. That's good, uh, excellent advice there, Matthew. And I'd say that uh, one of the simplest things to do to get involved and actually start having some of an impact uh, legislatively is to, is to get involved right at the, right at the local level, like you said, and not like, not just like local gun rights organizations, but even just go, like if you're a state that has uh, 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 caucusing as part of the, the uh, legislative, you know, or, or really the voting process, if you will um, get involved with your local caucus Okay. Go to the caucus, uh, meetings. Okay. Uh, actually step up to the plate and volunteer to be uh, a caucus representative at whether it's the county or state or, um, other, other levels where you're actually, you know, that now you're actually getting involved. You can advance platforms before your party and go to, um, state and county events where you can actually, have an influence on those, those people that actually get um, on the ballot. Okay. Cause that's super, super important as you, and you want people getting on the ballots that are going to carry forth your platforms too. And the things you care most about. So there's lots of ways we can go about this. So get involved and it always starts local first. And of course we, we don't want to lose sight of, doing things like contacting those at the state or even national level. Um, that's, it's all, it, it's gotta be a whole holistic approach where we're covering all our bases, but specifically we should absolutely be involved on the local level. That's where we're going to have the greatest effect. Mm-hmm. So good stuff. Well, that brings us to a conclusion of today's stories. Uh, we do before we, wrap this up need to announce our weekly giveaway winner and uh what, why don't you tell folks matthew what are we giving away today and uh and then also tease for us what our prize is for next week yeah so uh we're giving away a draw like a pro course um it's a fantastic course and uh it'll get you draw your draw times 
you know, lower, quicker, um, more accurate first shots and everything. It's, it's a, it's a fantastic course. Um, and the winner for that is Rob. So make sure you check your email, Rob. And, um, next week we're going to be giving away an SSP eyewear $50 gift card. Um, and that's a fantastic value, uh, with their products. You can get great, um, you know, I, I pro that's, that's very good, uh, for $50 and, uh, and you won't be disappointed. Um, make sure that you sign up, uh, you go to concealcare.com forward slash podcast prize. And each week you got to re, uh, re, um, sign up for that. So, uh, just go there. You can share it and get an extra, extra vote in there or, uh, you know, chance to win. And, um, yeah. And, and we normally have, you know, uh, a pretty good chance of winning. Uh, so. Yeah. Awesome. Congrats, Rob, on winning the draw, like a pro video course folks. Again, a reminder, please consider signing up each week. If you want to have a chance at winning the, in the, uh, in the giveaway, go to concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize. So with that, uh, we're going to wrap this up. Uh, a little bit of a heads up that uh, we're going to record, I believe, our second episode of the week tomorrow instead of later today. Uh, part of that's to give my voice a rest after I'm just barely kind of recovering here from my recent uh, sickness. So we'll see you back here in a later time, hopefully tomorrow. And until next time, a reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care. A reminder that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.